Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, hey, you over there, you, come over here. No, just a little bit closer, just a bit closer. That's it, that's it. Just keep coming, keep coming. There we go. Hello, hi, how are you? Um, I just wanted to say at the beginning of this episode that uh, uh, this episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by Audible.com, the world's number one provider of audiobooks that you can download and listen to wherever you are using pretty much any device. Oh, you've heard about it before. Oh, that's great. Well, the cool thing is that Audible are offering you, my listeners, the chance to try out their service free of charge for 30 days and that includes a free audiobook of your choice and they have over 150,000 audiobooks for you to choose from including loads of bestsellers by well-known authors read out by professional actors to get your free audiobook from audible.com just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher luke or just click on one of the audible pictures on my website okay in fact you could you could do that right now that's it. Okay, you're gonna go. You're gonna go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. They're giving away free audiobooks. Okay, then. Well, good luck with that. I'll speak to you again soon. Let's get started with the episode. Here we go. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. In this episode of Luke's English podcast, I'm going to respond to questions that my listeners have asked me in the teacherluke.co.uk discussion forum. I'll also deal with some other questions that I've received from listeners in different ways too, either on Facebook, Twitter, email, or as comments posted on my website. So this is a Q&A episode. Q&A, Q&A, or Q&A, obviously means question and answer. It's not the first time I've done this on the podcast before. Uh, the first time I did a sort of Q&A session was episode 17, which was called Hello to My Listeners Around the World. That was a long time ago. Then I did another one in episode 51. That was called Luke Answers Your Emails and Questions. Then in episode 126, I did a Q&A called Your Emails, Comments and Questions. Um, and uh, episode 126 was really the last time that I did an episode devoted to your questions and comments. Although I did do the Your English Podcast series, of course, which featured lots of comments from listeners. And I did do some Q&A in other episodes like Wikipedia with my dad or A Cup of Tea With. Those, those episodes with friends of mine like Pierre Gaspard, Sebastian Marks and Sarah Donnelly, where we answered questions from Facebook. Um, but really... This is, in fact, the fourth episode. This one that you're listening to now is the fourth episode devoted solely to answering listeners' questions. Um, and that's why in that's why this episode is called uh, the Luke's English Podcast Q&A Session Number 4. You might have been thinking, number four? What about Q&A Sessions Number 1, 2, and 3? Well, as I've just said, um, I did do Q&As. I've done three Q&A episodes before but they just had different titles. Um, so this is something that I plan to do more regularly. Uh, these Q&A episodes, I'd like to try and make them more regular. 
episodes because I think they're really useful for you because it gives uh, you a chance to just hear me answering some um, kind of questions uh, either based on language on or, or other related things. Um, so if you would like to send me questions to be answered in the podcast, if you've got questions or comments or just things you'd like me to talk about, then listen up because I will tell you the best ways to get in touch with me. Uh, I'll be telling you about that in this episode. So I'd just like to say at this point, thank you for attending the Luke's English Podcast Q&A session for May 2015. Just make yourself comfortable. Pull up a chair. Uh, there are plenty of chairs available. Um, help yourself to biscuits. We've got a wide selection of different biscuits. I'd, I would, I'd recommend the chocolate digestive. It's clearly the best of the biscuits. So we've got, we've just got basically an infinite supply of biscuits. That's the, one of the advantages of this Q&A session. Um, let's imagine that this virtual meeting is taking place inside a, a, a pod, which is orbiting the earth. Okay. Considering, you know, cons considering the fact that we can just invent any conditions we want, I suggest that we hold this meeting or this conference it's a bit like a TED talk. Imagine that sort of environment, very futuristic kind of thing where some of the world's most intelligent uh, and most important intellectuals have gathered together in some very futuristic modern kind of uh, conference centre. In this case, the Luke's English Podcast Conference Centre is a is an orb, a kind of pod which which uh, floats around the Earth in space. Um, it's it's a kind of a, an elitist sort of cult society. Imagine in the future. That's that's I think where Luke's English podcast is ultimately heading. You might be thinking that sometimes. You might think Luke's English podcast is great, but where's all this going? What's the ultimate end point? Well, really, and this is just a joke, just in case you were wondering. Really, my aim for Luke's English podcast is to create a sort of elite cult, a sort of uh, 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 privileged society where I've managed to handpick the best um, from all the countries in the world. And ultimately what we're going to do is form a new society and we will, um, uh, we will create this pod and it's going to be launched into space. And while the rest of the earth, while the, the earth uh, suffers a sort of uh, uh, some kind of uh, zombie apocalypse or something. We will be orbiting in a kind of uh, geodome, which um, is uh, ev where everything is perfect, and we can kind of you know discuss language and communication uh, considerations. Okay, it's just a it's just a just a stupid idea. But anyway, let's imagine that this virtual meeting is taking place inside a huge pod which is orbiting the Earth. Let's hope that there is no space debris um, which could damage the pod, like in that movie called Gravity with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. You know the one I mean? Uh, the one where they're astronauts. I don't believe that George Clooney... I, don't, I didn't find Sandra Bullock and George Clooney to be particularly believable astronauts. Anyway... But in that film, they were astronauts and they were working on a, um, a satellite and there were lots of, lots of space debris from, a, from a, uh, an accident that happened in space. And the space debris kept coming around the Earth and then crashing into them and it was, uh, it was all, all disastrous and 3D. So let's hope that there's no space debris up here in, in the atmosphere because that could be 
terrible, couldn't it? But it, it would also be entertaining with some great 3D effects. Uh, so no, don't worry. There's no need to worry. During this Q&A meeting, we're just going to cruise around the atmosphere in total comfort while I carefully respond to different questions and queries which have been sent to Luke's English podcast via the Matrix. I mean, the internet. Okay? Uh, so just before I answer uh, those questions from listeners, I would like to just mention a few other things. And these are just some things that I would like to deal with, and I think now is an appropriate time to do that. Okay? So um, feel free to just use this moment here at the beginning as a chance to, you know, get comfortable, pour yourself some space coffee, get used to the zero gravity conditions, have a power nap, just do whatever you've got to do to get yourself in the right mental and physical space to get ready for the episode. So just before, as I said, just before I answer some questions, let me deal with a few things. So uh, one thing I'd like to deal with is just recent episodes. Um, I'm very glad to see that uh, recent episodes of my podcast have been very well received by the international community of Luke's English Podcast. Um, comments on uh, the last three episodes, for example, have been, you know, encouraging, particularly for the ones involving Amber and Paul, which I uploaded over the past week or two. Those episodes were a lot of fun, and I plan to feature Amber and Paul with their lovely, lovely voices on the podcast again soon, perhaps to do some more improvisation games with language focus, because that seemed to be quite fruitful and productive for the podcast. Um, the next thing I would like to mention is um, something about the Audible sponsorship. Now, um, you can't fail to have noticed that most of my episodes these days uh, contain mentions of an audiobook offer from audible.com. Uh, there's usually a pre-show spot of about one minute uh, when I remind you to go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke, where you can sign up and get a free audio book. In fact, I did it at the beginning of this episode, didn't I? Now, uh, why am I doing that? I think it's probably worth just explaining what all that is about. Um, and it's, you know, it's pretty obvious, really. And it's also very simple. Um, I've arranged to have sponsorship from Audible for several reasons, okay? The main reason is that it's a way for me to monetize this podcast a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's a chance for me to just get some uh, uh, re remuneration uh, from this podcast, which I spend so much of my time working on. Um, obviously, I love doing Luke's English podcast, and I spend quite a lot of my time on it. And I work alone on it, except for bits of assistance from some Luke's English podcast ninjas who manage Google documents for transcriptions uh, and a couple of other things. But basically, I have to be able to justify doing this. Um, um, you know, how can I justify all of the time that I spend on Luke's English podcast? Now, if I can't get some re, uh, remuneration for my efforts, I said remuneration before, didn't I? It's not remuneration, it's remuneration. And it basically means, you know, compensation or money or pay, something like that. So if I can't get some remuneration for my efforts, then you might it might be a reasonable thing for me to say, why should I keep spending so much time working essentially for free? Obviously, doing the podcast is not completely thankless or anything. It's wonderful, and I love it. I, I, I receive so many encouraging comments from my listeners and positive responses, and I'm able to connect with so many cool people around the world, and that is massively rewarding. 
So don't get me wrong, I absolutely love doing Luke's English podcast, and I'm so grateful for, for everybody's support. However, I think it's time, after about six years, that I made I, tr- I made a, even a little bit of cash from my efforts. And uh, really, sponsorship is one of the ways for me to do that. Um, also, I'd like to keep Luke's English podcast free for you to download, rather than making everyone pay for my episodes. So how can I generate some income while keeping the podcast free? Well, sponsorship is one of the answers. And loads and loads of other top podcasts, you know, like the best, most popular podcasts in the world, they they all have sponsors as well. People like Mark Maron, uh, the podcast called Serial, which you might have heard, uh, This American Life, they're all sponsored by someone. Uh, some of them have loads of sponsors. Um, it's really normal. That's how they make their podcast uh, model work. It's the industry standard for monetizing a podcast. Uh, so now my mentions of audible.com might distract you slightly or perhaps make you even feel like I've I've gone all commercial or something. I understand that. But for me, Sponsors are just a normal part of any successful podcast. Um, Also, I believe that Audible.com is actually an appropriate sponsor for for Luke's English Podcast, um, because listening to audiobooks can be a great way to get loads of English input. I know there may be be free audiobook... There there may be free audiobook downloads available uh, from other websites, but frankly, they're not recorded using the same professional actors who can bring these stories to life. So I do think that Audible um, presents to you genuinely good content. Uh, also, Audible has a really wide range of stuff for you to download or listen to on their website. I personally use Audible, and generally I'm happy with the service, except for the app, the iPhone app, which is terrible. But mainly the service is good, and I used their thirty. I used their thirty-day free trial, and I got my free book, and I continue to use Audible, and I get a new audio book every month as part of my package. Um, let's see. This month I downloaded a book by one of my favourite British journalists called John Ronson. The book is called So You've Been Publicly Shamed, and it's all about the modern phenomenon of public shaming on social networks. Do you know what that is? For example. Public shaming on a, on a social network, okay? For example, when someone writes something stupid or controversial on Twitter, let's say it could be a famous person who writes something slightly controversial or maybe a bit offensive, maybe by accident on Twitter, and then that person gets attacked by hundreds of people in a kind of feeding frenzy of public criticism. Have you ever, have you ever heard of any of these cases? Um, uh, now, John Ronson the guy who wrote this book about this subject, he's a brilliantly insightful and humorous writer, and he narrates the book himself. And um, if you're interested, you can find a link to John Ronson's books on audible.com here on my website. So what's the point? What am I saying here about my Audible sponsorship? I'm not just trying to promote it at this moment, uh, right now. No, I'm just saying to you, um, that um, I've 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 got a sponsorship deal with Audible, and I think it's it's good. Okay, I, I I like Audible, even if their iPhone application sucks. 
Well, the, the iPhone application does suck. I mean, it used to be great, but then since a recent update, it hasn't been working pro- properly. So I tend to just download the books to my laptop and listen there or transfer them to my phone using a cable connection. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is this. Uh, the fact that my podcast is sponsored by uh, Audible is absolutely a good thing. Um, it's good for me. It's good for the podcast. And it's good for you because you can take advantage of their offer and get yourself an audiobook. Um, so you will just have to put up with me mentioning my sponsors from time to time, usually at the beginning of the episode or maybe sometimes in the middle or at the end. But don't worry, I'll try and keep those mentions brief, informative, lighthearted and not too intrusive. OK, so I just wanted to deal with that. Uh, I expect that some of you have been thinking about, uh, you know, um, whether my Audible sponsorship has somehow affected the the podcast. It hasn't. It's still exactly the same. It's just a chance for me to try and and keep this podcast going. Because if I didn't, you know, get something, um, then the podcast would probably end. Because you know, I can't. I wouldn't be able to keep doing this forever unless I started to get something back. Um, Okay, so my next point is about how to get in touch with me. How do you get in touch with me? How can you contact me directly? Well, there are lots of ways to get in touch with me. Um, Luke's English Podcast is on Facebook, and you can leave comments there or send me a private message uh, on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and and search for Luke's English Podcast. You can like my page. Um, I'm on Twitter as well, of course, and you can tweet me there. Uh, You can... You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at English Podcast, at English Podcast. So find me on Twitter and that's a way for for you to uh, contact me. Uh, But really the best way uh, is to contact me via my website, um, which of course is teacherluke.co.uk. You can do that either publicly by leaving a comment on one of the episodes, and I do read every single comment which is posted on my website, or you can uh, contact me through the website by sending me an email. And you can email me through the website quite simply. Um, Just go to teacherluke.co.uk, and in the menu, you see that there's an item that says contact. Just click on contact and um, you can then, there's a field in which you can write a message to me. So you can just email me directly by clicking on contact in the menu on my website. Um, Anything that you write there will be sent to me directly as a private email. Um, Also, I always welcome your thoughts, questions and suggestions. So please do send me your feedback. Um, I've set up a feedback form. Um, um, in which uh, I give you the opportunity to just sort of let me know what you like or or what you would like to change about Luke's English Podcast. And you can find that feedback form by just, you know, hovering the mouse or mousing over the word contact in the menu on my website. And yes, I did just use the word mouse as a verb. You can do that now. We've We've turned the word mouse into a verb. So to mouse over something for example. That means to just move the cursor. You know, when you control the mouse on your computer, you just move the little arrow, which is called the cursor. You move that over a particular thing on the screen. That would be to to mouse over something. To mouse, meaning to move the mouse or to to move the cursor on the screen. I think there's another mouse-related question, which I'm going to deal with in this episode, so you can wait for that. Goodness me, I've been talking for 
17 or 18 minutes and I still haven't got to the questions yet. But, you know, I've just got lots of lots of things to say to you. Um, so um, those are ways of getting in touch with me. Also, the discussion forum on the website. There is the discussion forum, which is a cool way to chat with other Lepsters and to make friends and even to 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 leave messages for me. Have you seen it? Have you been to the discussion forum? Just visit teacherluke.co.uk and click discussion forums in the menu. And there are various discussions going on there on different topics. And you can add your own topics and pose your own questions. Uh, there's a Skype group as well. Uh, where people share Skype details and then they can chat with other people online, and that's quite a good that's quite a good idea. If you're looking for ways of you know practicing your English, you can chat with other uh, fans or listeners to Luke's English podcast. And I think if you do that, then immediately you've got things in common. If you are in touch with other people who listen to this podcast, then immediately you've got like a common ground. You, you could even chat about topics that I've dealt with on the podcast. It's it's really an ideal way of extending your English learning experience using this podcast. You can obviously listen and you can use the website and read and study the words, but speaking, speaking, speaking is really important. You've got to be productive. You have to actually use it or you lose it, okay? And so why not? Why not join one of the Skype groups that you can find on the in the discussion forum um, and you can make friends with other listeners and you can chat about stuff um, so that's a good idea there is also the chat cast uh, which is something that is uh, organized by um, a lepster uh, a plepper uh, called uh, Guillaume who you you may know I've mentioned him on the podcast before but uh, being the um, enterprising guy that he is. He set up this thing called the Chatcast, which is quite a cool project. Um, you can find a link to the Chatcast in the discussion forum. In a nutshell, what is the Chatcast? It's it's a sort of a Skype um, conversation group, um, which happens every Sunday afternoon, and they get together. There's a, usually a few people who get together on the, on the Chatcast, and it's very international, and they all they will pick a topic, and a different person hosts the show every week, and uh, they will discuss that topic. And the whole thing is actually recorded and then turned into a podcast. And so you can listen to the chatcast, and if you take part in the chatcast, you can listen back to yourself. It's quite a good way of just sort of maybe having fun, uh, meeting people online and uh, practicing your speaking and also kind of hearing yourself afterwards and maybe noticing mistakes that you make. And it's all part of the sort of process of improving your English. So check out the discussion forum. You can you can join Skype groups. You can find out about the chat cast. Um, and, and that's good, isn't it? Uh, right. So um, please do send me your questions. I will aim to answer them in episodes of the podcast. So as I said, I hope to make these Q&A sessions more of a regular feature. Uh, um, so um, um, there we go. So right now, in June 2014, I posted something in the discussion forum. And uh, this is a year ago. It's it's almost a year ago that I posted this. And only now am I finally getting round to actually following it up by doing an episode. But, uh, you know, you know the score. Um, so this is what I posted on June the 13th, 2014. 
at 12.18pm and I said, send me your questions for the podcast. Uh, This is where you can ask me questions that you'd like me to answer on the podcast. Ask me a question here and I'll answer it on the podcast, probably, although I do reserve the right to not answer questions if I want. Feel free to ask me about anything. It could be a question you'd like me to discuss in order to hear my opinion. It could be a question about English. It could just be a fun question that you'd like me to ramble on about for a little bit. Um, When there are enough questions here, I'll make a podcast and I'll respond to you. Let your imagination run wild. So that is what I posted in the discussion forum uh, last June, last year, as a way of encouraging people to send me their questions, which I could then uh, talk about on the podcast. And so that's that's what happened. And lots of questions were posted there. Um, and um, what I'm going to do in this episode is go through loads of those questions. Um, so here are the questions which were sent to me. The questions are varied. Some things are about grammar or vocabulary. Some questions uh, ask for my opinion about language teaching or learning. And some of these questions ask for my opinion or thoughts about other topics. Uh, There are some suggestions for future podcasts, some bits of flattering praise, which is always nice to hear or read. And then some random far out philosophical musings as well, which I think are quite interesting. Um, So I may have made a few subtle language corrections to the comments that you uh, can hear in this episode, but there still may be some errors present. I mean, I haven't completely rewritten the comments or questions, but I have, you know, fixed some of the some some of the main errors. Um, You can read Again, a lot of what I'm saying on this episode you can read on the page for this one at teacherluke.co.uk and I do believe this is episode 274. Um, There are some questions which were written in the forum or sent to me that I'm not including in this episode. So I'm not necessarily responding to absolutely every single query Um, and that's because either I've covered them already in the podcast or because they've been answered in, in another way or because it just for some reason I just didn't fancy it. Okay, that's my that's my choice, isn't it? I'm Luke from Luke's English Podcast after all. So let's talk to the Luke's English Podcast community and uh, so most of these questions are from the discussion forum, some of them are from other places. Right, so we start with um a message from anonymous. So I don't know the person's name. Um it's just anonymous. Uh and this is this is from uh, a Facebook messenger, um, a, a message via Facebook. But how is that anonymous if it's from Facebook? Anyway, maybe I chose to leave the person anonymous. So anyway, this question came to me via Facebook and the question goes like this. Hey, Luke. Hey, anonymous. How are you? Um, what's the difference between, um, what is the difference between never mind and it doesn't matter? Okay, so never mind and it doesn't matter. Uh, What's the difference? Hmm, okay, let's have a little look at this. Well, in my opinion, and I'm of course I'm right, uh, they both have the same effect, which is to mean it's not a problem, okay? Both of, both of those phrases are used to, to perform the same function, which is to say, don't worry, it's not a problem. Although the two phrases achieve this meaning in slightly different ways. Um, so let's start with never mind. So never mind basically means don't worry about it. 
Okay, so mind to mind means to to kind of be concerned by it or to worry about it. So never mind basically means don't mind or don't worry about it. Don't think too much about it. Don't worry about it, which of course then means it's not a problem. So basically that is you should never mind about this. You shouldn't find it important. You shouldn't think about it too much because it's not a problem. And then the other one was it doesn't matter. Um, which basically means it it's not important. If something matters, it means it's important. So if something doesn't matter, it's like saying it's not important, which of course basically means it's not a problem. So both of these things, never mind, and it doesn't matter, they both mean uh, it's no problem. Okay, so never mind means don't worry about it, and it doesn't matter just means it's not important, and ultimately they both mean the same thing. It's not a problem. Okay, so for example, oh, I'm really sorry. I just, uh, I just broke a glass. I broke one of your champagne glasses. Oh, never mind. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. It's no big deal. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. Okay, so these are all things that you would say when someone apologizes to you, for example. Oh, I'm really sorry. I forgot to bring the USB key with all the PowerPoint slides on it. Oh, no. And you'd say, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. Um, It doesn't matter. Um, I've got all the slides on on a Google document. We can just download them all from the internet. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't beat yourself up about it. That's, That's a slightly stronger one. And that means don't, you know, don't uh, don't feel really, really bad about something. Like uh, if you've done something wrong, uh, you know, if you do something wrong and you feel loads and loads of regret, you might beat yourself up about it. That means you'd spend lots of time going, oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm so stupid. Oh, what an idiot. And then you you start you start beating yourself up. To beat, to beat someone up obviously means to punch someone or kick someone, to violently attack someone until they are really sort of badly injured. Uh, like to beat someone up. Um, like a football hooligan. A group of football hooligans beat up uh, a, a, a rival football fan outside the stadium, for example, to beat someone up. So don't beat yourself up is a, uh, a fairly strong phrase that means don't don't worry about it too much it's okay don't feel guilty okay don't worry doesn't matter don't i don't mind um never mind and then you know if it's really serious oh don't it's okay don't beat yourself up about it okay all right Anon- anonymous happy with that um okay so here's another one uh this was in the discussion forum on the 13th of June, almost immediately after I posted the original uh, uh, question. Um, And uh, this one comes from A Spoonful of Mustard. That's the name of the person who wrote this. Is that really your name? I I guess it's it's not the person's name. Hello, my name's A Spoonful. Uh, A Spoonful of Mustard. Nice to meet you. Um, And A Spoonful of Mustard says, Greetings, comrades. A friend of mine is absolutely convinced that some animals have accents, so to speak. Being a professional rider, she's quite au fait with horses. Meaning that she's a professional horse rider, so she's quite au fait. She's quite familiar with horses. Going by her, or according to her, an Icelandic cult neighs in a conspicuously different way from, say, an Italian cult of the same breed. 
What's he talking about? Um, an Icelandic cult. A cult is a sort of horse. And to neigh, that's the, that's the sound that a horse makes. What does the horse say? It goes neigh. Um, am I going to make the proper sound of a horse? Neigh! Like that. That was embarrassing. Um, so anyway, neigh is, the, is what a, a, the sound that a horse makes. You know, a dog goes, a dog barks and a cat meows. It's like that song, What Does the Fox Say? That's probably what you're thinking at this point. But what does the horse say? Well, horses say nay. So, according to A Spoonful of Mustard's friend, an Icelandic colt, so a horse from Iceland, neighs in a conspicuously different way from, say, an Italian colt of the same breed. Although it sounds preposterous, I don't think she's made that up. What do you make of it? Have you ever noticed that every day common animals, pets and such like, sound slightly different abroad. If you have, please tell me what animals exactly were they, or exactly exactly which animals were they. Ta-ta! Okay, thanks a spoonful of mustard. That's a very interesting question, actually. That's really interesting. So we know that humans have different accents, and uh, even, you know, humans... In this, who live in the same country, who are basically of the same ethnicity, um, have often wildly different accents depending on which region they live in. The UK, of course, is a great example of that. England, um, in England, let's say between Liverpool and Manchester, they're really not far from each other. You can drive from Liverpool to Manchester in about half an hour, but the accents are really quite different, you know. Um, and uh, so, is that is that also uh, the same case for animals? Do animals that are the same breed uh, sing or, you know, make their noises in different ways depending on where they are? Now, from personal experience, I haven't really noticed a difference, um, uh, an obvious difference in the, in the way that animals make different sounds in different countries. It's never really been obvious to me um, but then again, you know, maybe they were just different breeds. But when I lived in Japan, I used to hear lots of crows. They have lots of crows that live in Tokyo. These, you know, large black birds. They make that kind of noise. And the Japanese crows seem to make a, a rather particular sort of uh, crowing sound. Um, the sort of it seemed to be a lot more specific than the sounds that I'd heard crows make back in the UK. Um, but I don't know if that's just because they're a slightly different breed or if it's because of the uh, acoustic surroundings. You know, listening to crows in Japan, I was often in an urban area. So the the crow, the, the, the sound of the crows, the call that they would make would sort of reverberate around the stone of the buildings and stuff. Whereas back home in England, whenever I heard crows, they would be uh, uh, calling to each other uh, in the countryside. So obviously there's a different sort of um, um, uh, acoustic atmosphere. Um, so really, personally, I haven't noticed a difference. But I think that it's possible. I think that animals probably do have slightly different accents. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all because I think that animals do talk to each other their their language may not be as sophisticated as English, of course, but I think that there is some sort of basic communication going on. You hear birds tweeting to each other across the rooftops. If you go outside and listen to the birds, often you'll hear that there's one bird, you know, a, a couple of hundred feet in one direction, and it calls to 
it it it, it sings or calls and then another bird on the other side uh calls in response to that so they do definitely communicate there's some sort of social function to the sounds that animals make and if that is the case then i'm sure that there's um that they influence each other you know just in the same way that humans when they speak they influence each other and we we use our accents as a way of um kind of uh, um bonding with the people from our community and often you 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 subconsciously will speak a little bit like the people who who live in the same community as you in order to try and relate to them or show that you're the same as them so naturally people who live together tend to speak in a similar way they they're influenced by each other i think it's called accommodation that's the linguistic term for this the way that we adapt the way that we speak in order to kind of be on the same wavelength as other people. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if animals also uh, adapted themselves slightly to, uh, you know, the community that, they, that they're in. Um, I might not be um, quite expert enough in biology or, um, you know, understanding the natural world, but I have Googled this question and I came up with something which I think is quite a good response to this. Um, so we'll listen to this um, bit of audio, which is from a uh, BBC YouTube channel, which is called BBC Earth Unplugged. And BBC Earth Unplugged is actually really good and really interesting. Um, you can find them on YouTube. Uh, just search for BBC Earth Unplugged. And all of these videos there are presented by this sort of uh, very fun, and uh, she seems like like really good fun, and she's full of energy, this girl who presents it. Her name is Maddie uh, Moat. I think that's how you pronounce her surname. She's English. I think she's English. Um, and so Maddie Moat uh, presents uh, these uh, nice short videos uh, by the BBC, and it's all about sort of the natural world. And there is one of these videos in which uh, she talks about the question of animals having accents. So I think it's really perfect for me to just play this audio to you, and perhaps uh, Maddie Moats can explain it more, more, uh, more with a bit more authority uh, than I can. Um, so do check out BBC Earth Unplugged. Their videos are really good. You can subscribe to them on YouTube. Let's have a listen to what Maddie says, and you'll hear that she's. Um, she's really kind of what's how would i describe her personality she's just giddy she seems to be so excited to do these videos she speaks with so much enthusiasm and she's full of life and uh she's quite good fun at the beginning of the video you hear her attempting to introduce herself in lots of different accents she's not particularly great at doing accents uh, it's a fairly good try but you can hear her laughing at herself as she tries to do a few accents and then she talks about the question of whether animals have accents and it's quite revealing let's have a listen to that now Hi, I'm Marty. Hey, I'm Maddie. Hello, I'm Madeleine. <laughs> hey, Maddie here. Good eye, I'm Maddie. Hi, I'm Maddie. <laughs> do all cows simply say moo? Do primates screech the same sounds and do birds sing the same song? Welcome to Zulala. Do animals have accents? When farmers in Somerset, England, claimed that their cows were mooing with a distinctive West Country drawl, much like their owners, to their surprise, scientists confirmed that the farmers were not talking nonsense. 
John Wells, a professor of phonetics at the University of London, explained that in small populations of cows, identifiable dialectical variations can be found and are affected by the cow's immediate peer group, i.e. the herd. Staying on the farm, it's not just the cows that talk to each other with their country accents. Goats have also been known to develop their own range of bleats. In a study, scientists compared the calls made by sibling pygmy goats living in different social groups. Whilst at one week old, the kids' calls sounded slightly similar, by five weeks old, their calls were much more structured and sounded very familiar to other kids in the group. Researchers concluded that the goats' vocalisations demonstrated that they were capable of basic vocal learning, suggesting that many other animals who had been previously overlooked as communicators might be doing the same. Sperm whales keep in contact with each other during their nomadic existence by making a pattern of clicks known as codas. And these are sung with individual accents so they can identify themselves to others within their group. These codas can travel for up to a kilometre underwater and research revealed that this communication also allowed whales to select which pod members they were going to spend most of their time with. Part of the small ape family, gibbons perform long-distance dialogues that primatologists call duets and these songs are sung with highly developed regional accents. in jungle stretches of Southeast Asia, Gibbon's calls and songs are packed with information. They're used as a vocal territory marker to attract a mate, and once the pair hook up, they can strengthen their bond. Their calls are so varied and distinct that even a casual tourist could notice the Gibbon's regional accents changing as they trekked deeper into the jungle. Ah, England's dawn chorus. Beautiful, isn't it? But researchers have confirmed that the same species of bird singing in a different part of the country can chirp a completely different tune. The UK's yellowhammer is a prime example of a multi-accent species. These bright yellow small birds tend not to leave their own areas, so ornithologists have confirmed that they have particularly thick accents. Widespread throughout the UK, this species' song differs in terms of tone and pitch depending on which part of the country it's found. It can also add different phrases to its song depending on its local region and dialect. These accents have also been heard in chaffinches, great tits and coltits, with researchers revealing that sometimes these regional tweets can be so strong that it may hinder the bird's chances of mating with partners from other areas. So clearly it's not just us humans that have accents or dialects or special words that only people in the same area will understand. Animals across the kingdom are doing exactly the same thing. So remember, next time somebody says glacier instead of glacier or hot dog instead of hot dog, remember, they're not doing it wrong, it's just their accent. For more amazing videos about the natural world, then subscribe to Earth Unplugged and we'll see you soon. The howler monkey is the loudest. Okay, there you go. So the answer to your question, um, a spoonful of mustard, is that, yes, animals apparently do have accents and different regional accents. For example, uh, scientists noticed the differences in the ways that cows will moo, depending on the groups that they belong to. Also, the, the ways that goats bleat differently. Because uh, goats, they, they bleat, don't they? 
That's kind of what a goat does. It bleats. Whales and their their sort of song, whale song, and their clicking sounds. Gibbons and the sounds that they make. And birds, the way that they tweet, uh, including, for example, the dawn chorus, um, are, are all different, apparently, depending on the region. So the answer is an absolute yes. They do have different accents. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Different accents? That's absolutely amazing. Right then, so uh, let's move on to the next question. This has been 41 minutes and I've only done two questions so far and I've got a huge list. I think you know what that means. That's probably going to it's probably going to mean there's going to be other episodes in this series. Um, anyway, um, this one was a comment on the webpage on the 23rd of May 2015, so just a couple of days ago. And this one goes like this. Hello, Luke. I hope you're having a good day. I am, actually, um, as it happens. I am. It's nice. I'm having a nice time. I'm recording an episode of my podcast. It doesn't get much better than that. Uh, uh, well, it does get better than that, actually. And there are a couple of ways that it does, uh, which are private, and I'm not going to tell you about them. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm having a good day. Thank you. Needless to say, this is the best English podcast in the whole universe. Oh, thank you. Uh, I have a question about pronunciation. Okay. Could you enlighten me on the differences in pronunciation, British English, between these words? So uh, we've got the word salt, the word sultan, hall, and hole. Perhaps it's my ears, but most of the time I hear them pronounced similarly. Thank you so much in advance. And I believe this is from an anonymous uh, commenter as well. Um, all right, then. So basically, the differences between four words, salt, sultan, hall, and whole. Um, salt, you know what salt is. It's something something you put on food. Um, sultan, uh, what's a sultan? Um, a sultan is, is a word of Arabic origin, and it basically means a sort of a leader or a noble person. It's a bit similar to, let's say, the word duke in, in English. Um, so that's a sultan. And then uh, the other words are hall and whole. Uh, a hall would be, either as a verb, it could mean to pull or drag something. For example, he hauled his bike out of the shed. Uh, I hauled my bike down the stairs to like pull or something, uh, pull or drag something with a lot of effort um, to haul. Let's say if you are a fisherman and you've put, you've cast your net into the ocean, you would haul your net out of the sea and hopefully it contains lots of fish. Okay. So that's the verb um, to pull or drag with effort or force. The noun uh, is basically a quantity of something. Um, like um, um, uh, uh, often a quantity of something that's been stolen or possessed illegally, a haul of uh, st- of stolen artworks, um, for example, a haul. It could it doesn't always mean something that's been stolen. For example, fishermen would have a a fisherman's haul means the amount of fish or the large uh, load of fish that they've caught from the ocean. So it's to pull something or drag something with effort or force, or it's a, a quantity of something that's, you know, been caught or stolen, let's say. Um, so that's just the definition to those words. I needed to define them before talking about the pronunciation. And the next word is hole. That's obviously a hole. It's like a, a gap, you know, like we have a black hole in space. Or if when you do up your shirt, you have a button and you have a hole and you put the button through the hole. Um, if you have a hole in your sock, it's time to get a new sock or to fix the hole. Okay, so what are the differences? Let's start with salt and sultan. 
Salt is spelled S-A-L-T. Sultan is spelled S-U-L-T-A-N. But for me, I pronounce them the same way. It's the same vowel sound. Uh, salt and Sultan. Okay? Same sound, basically. Um, salt and Sultan. Okay, now that I think about it, I actually do pronounce those two words slightly differently. Okay, I've just thought about it a little bit. So let's start with salt, the mineral that you put on your food. Salt. Now that's an, that's an, uh, salt, salt. Now salt and salt. Salt, ol, ul, ol, ul, ol, ul. So salt, the ol sound, ah, ah, and salt, sultan, uh, ah, uh. Very similar, but salt, ol, and salt, sultan. When I say salt for sultan, um, uh, my chin is slightly lower than when I say salt. Um, but really, it's so similar that you could say that it's the same sound, really. Salt and sultan, it's almost exactly the same. But if you if you had to, for example, be... Yeah, if you had to make a clear d- distinction, you'd probably say, actually, salt, like an R uh sound, ul, and all for salt, or an uh. Can you hear the difference? Or an uh. uh revolt, revolt, ul, ul, and ul. Salt is what you put on your food. An ul, salt, insult, or a sultan. Uh, that's what, uh, uh, that's the Arabic word. Okay? So it's the difference between or for salt and uh for sultan. Or like hot and uh like up salt and sultan but within the context of those words the sound is so similar that you could equally say salt and sultan mm, okay it's unlikely that that there's ever going to be a situation where you say the word sultan meaning to put salt on something and the word sultan meaning an, an arabic duke and that there's those two words are going to get confused. You know, if you're telling someone how to cook a dish, you know, like just prepare the uh, prepare the pasta by boiling the water and just salt in the water slightly, and everyone go what? And the person goes, "What? Why are you talking about an Arabic duke? We're talk- we're cooking pasta. It's unlikely that that's going to happen." So anyway, uh, the difference: salt is ah. Oh, and sul- uh, sultan is an uh sound, but it's really sort of a minimal difference there. Um, and the other one was hall and hole. That's easier to, to identify the difference between hall, uh, which is the same pronunciation as the hall in a house, H-A-L-L, and hall, H-A-U-L. Um, that's the same pronunciation, a hall. Um, and it's just an aw sound, aw, okay, all, all, just like all the people, all, hall, so there you go, hall, and then the, the hole that you put a button into, or if you fall into a hole, that's an o sound, hole, oh, 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 so the first one, hall, is actually one sound, but it's long, aw, okay, hall, and the sound in 
the vowel sound in hole is actually two vowels. It's a diphthong. Oh, hole, hole, hole. So actually there is movement when you say the vowel sound there. Hole, oh, oh. You hear it? Oh, hole. Compare that to hall, which is just one uh, long vowel sound, or hall, and hole is two vowel sounds. Oh, can you hear? Can you hear that? You hear the difference? Hall is a long monothong, and hole is a diphthong. It's two sounds. Okay, so it's easy to see why those sound similar. Hall and hole are. Um, definitely different. Salt and Sultan are really, really, really similar. Okay, so there you go. I hope that gives you an answer to that question. Um, let me just, um, let me do one more, I think, uh, at this point. And this one is from Edgar Hernandez. You know Edgar Hernandez. He was the guy who won the Your English Podcast competition, Edgar Hernandez from Mexico. He's been on the podcast before. And Edgar says, all right, Luke. Um, all right, Edgar. Well, I would like to know your opinion about this question. Should non-native speakers try to sound like someone who is native? What I'm getting at is that uh, if it isn't fake or not. Some people believe that if they do so, they will lose their identity. What do you think about it? What I think is that it's a, a very good way to improve our English. Cheers. Okay, so Edgar there is asking that question of whether learners of English should try to adopt an English accent. Should should non-native speakers attempt to sound like natives? Um, and does that mean, is that fake? Does that mean that you're being disingenuous? Does it mean that you're like faking something and that you're not being true to your own identity? You know, like if you meet someone who's from, let's say, someone who's from Mexico, and they uh, normally might speak with a slight sort of Mexican Spanish accent, and uh, but as a as a way to try and improve their pronunciation, they try to copy uh, British accents, like maybe the accents of actors that they like, or a certain kind of accent that they hear on Luke's English podcast, for example. Um, so. Some people think that it's fake. Some, th- some people think that it's uh, that if you do that, that there's something fake and something unattractive about trying to um, um, uh, copy an accent like that. Other people say it's just a good way to improve your English pronunciation. Um, well, what do I think? Well, f- I've got like four things to say about this. One of them is the the first thing is that clarity is the most important thing. Okay, so. That's the first. That's the first and foremost thing. It's about clarity. Can people understand you? Is the message being communicated effectively? That, for me, is the most important thing here because ultimately we're we're using English as a way of communicating. And uh, if people can understand exactly what you mean, that's the most important thing. Now, the, there's a secondary thing which is about you know how you want to sound, and um, I think that uh, I think it's really up to you. But my first point is clarity is the most important thing. So when you're trying to work on your accent, the main thing is that you just make sure that you're being clear. Okay. Um, okay. So second thing is, um, second thing I'd like to say is, well, some traces of your original accent can be quite charming. So if you do speak 
English with some elements of like some Spanish influence in there, that can actually be quite nice and charming. And it shows where you're from. It shows who you are. Ultimately, your variety, your variety of English is just as valid as any other variety of English, as long as you're able to communicate effectively with the people you're talking to. So my point is there is that, I mean, I speak, you know, British English with received pronunciation because that's who I am. That's that's uh, how I grew up. And that's all part of my identity. Um, and, it, you know, my version of English isn't necessarily any better than anyone else's. Uh, really, the, the standard, you know, the, the criteria for judging someone's English is their ability to communicate complex ideas in a simple and, and straightforward way. Um, so there's that. And I think that if you can, you know, basically communicate exactly what you want to say, but you still have some traces of your original accent or your uh, if your first language in there then that's 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 all right i think there's nothing wrong with that and it's quite charming and uh it's part of who you are but third point is that of course you can choose your own accent you can choose you can be whoever you want to be and if you want to uh copy uh the sound of uh, british english and try and get your accent as close to that as possible uh even if that means sort of faking it a little bit is it faking it though are you not just trying to improve your accent? Well, anyway, my point here, third point, is you can be whoever you want to be. You can define your own identity. It's a, you know, you feel free to do whatever you want to do. But just remember that people might judge you for being inauthentic. You know, if people get that sense that you're faking it a little bit, then that, that you might be judged for being inauthentic. I personally wouldn't judge you for it. I don't mind. It doesn't bother me. I think that you can be whoever you want to be. But there are some people in the world who might judge you a little bit and say, why is he putting on that accent? Um, and they can, obviously, they can go and get stuffed because, you know, who are they to, to, to look at you and judge you, especially when you're just trying to improve your English so that you speak, you know, in, in the way that you want to speak. Um, but the fact is authenticity seems to be quite a big issue. People seem to care a lot about authenticity. And if they get the sense that you're not being yourself, then people will not necessarily respect you or they might feel a bit suspicious about that. So just bear that in mind. People value authenticity a lot. Um, so, you know, if you can be clear in your English, but still be authentically who you are, then that may be the thing that will work most of the time. But at the same time, I think you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. If you want to speak with a sort of uh, British RP accent, then go for it. My fourth point is this. Copying a British accent is obviously a good way of practicing and developing your pronunciation. But be careful of faking it in, in normal interactions. Or at least if you do fake it, make sure that you fake it really, really well. In the end, it's your personal qualities and your personality and your humanity that will come through um and i would say you know put that first put your uh your you know your sincerity and your and genuine um feelings put that first and people will forgive you for faking an accent be a genuine person be a kind good person that people can understand clearly i think that's more important than having a specific accent and people tend to like it if you're true to yourself. Um, so, so there you go. I think it's I think it's a worthwhile pursuit to try and copy 
maybe my accent or another accent that you that you might like uh, because that's a good way of you know stretching your pronunciation to the point where you can be really clear um, but at the same time you've got to balance that out with being authentic to who you are um, but you know if you can do it well then there's nothing stopping you the thing is that like we often respect people who are able to change their accents within the context of of a movie like an acting role like we love actors who can do really convincing accents you know like someone like christian bale we 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 all respect him for his excellent american accent but um it's a bit strange when he starts speaking in an american accent in interviews because everyone starts thinking, well, wait a minute, aren't you English? Why are you speaking with an American accent now? Because in normal life, we expect him to be authentic to himself. And, you know, uh, for example, the Beatles, uh, Ringo Starr, obviously is from Liverpool, but he now lives in Los Angeles, um, and he has done for many years. And when he speaks on television, uh, you know, my parents always go, oh, why is he speaking with that American accent? It's such a pity. So people have a problem with, uh, a slight problem with uh, people changing their accent. They feel that there's something inauthentic about it. So I think there's a balance to be struck with, on one hand, uh, improving your pronunciation so that you're clear. And that could involve copying received pronunciation of a British person, if that's the accent that you think is a good model. Uh, And on the other hand, you've got to just try and stay authentic in some way. I quite like hearing a little bit of uh, a trace of the original accent. And I think that's probably a good good uh, solution. Make sure that you're really clear. Make sure that you're saying the words in, in, in the way that they should be said. Um, but a little trace of your original accent is nice. It's quite charming. My wife, for example, speaks good English, but she does speak it with a bit of a French accent. And I like that. I mean, it's not an outrageous French accent. It's not, uh, you know, um, it's not really strong. Um, it's not so strong that it kind of distracts you away from what she's actually saying. Um, it's just a bit of a French accent, and it's nice. It's charming. I mean, and ultimately she is French, so of course she's going to speak with a bit of a French accent. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop this episode now. I've done what? How many? How many questions did I do? Four out of a big list. Uh, well, there's. Uh, I now have uh, a list uh, of stuff for me to, you know, work my way through. So I think I'm going to stop this episode now. Um, thank you very much for listening. And um, don't forget, you can send me emails by visiting teacherluke.co.uk and just click the contact button in the menu and then you'll you'll find a, a way to get in touch with me there and you can leave me your questions go to the discussion forum and and uh, get involved there as well uh, i think that's probably it for this episode um it's it's fairly customary for me to sing a song at the end of episodes like this so i might do that um i might go and pick up the guitar and see if there's a song that i fancy uh, singing um if you don't like music and you don't like the bits where i sing then um then i'll tell you what i'll do i'll wrap up the episode i will uh, add the jingle at the end and then if i feel like it i might sing a song after the jingle so if you don't like me singing and you find that to be unnecessary then that's fine you just 
stop listening when the jingle finishes. But if you do like my singing and you want to hear me sing a song, uh, then you can just keep listening and everyone's happy. Okay, great. So um, I'll do more of these Q&A sessions in the future, but thanks for listening to this one. There'll be more uh, episodes of Luke's English Podcast uh, heading in your direction um, pretty soon, I would imagine. So uh, for this episode, it's just time for me to say goodbye. And I'm going to do that now. So here it is. Goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Right, I've got a guitar here, and I'm going to try and do justice to a song by a guy called Phil Oakes, and he was American. He was an American singer-songwriter. Uh, the song is called Changes, and I was I first heard it played by Neil Young, uh, he played it at the Farm Aid concert a couple of years ago, and it's a striking song, and it's a, a beautifully touching song for me, in my opinion. Um, it's quite a long one. I hope I can do it right without too many mistakes. I hope I can do it justice. Um, and here it is, Changes by Phil Oakes. <laughs> Sit by my side, come as close as the air Share in a memory of grace And wander through my words And dream about the pictures that I play Of changes Green leaves of summer turn red in the fall to brown and yellow they fade And then they have to die Trapped within the circle time parade of changes Scenes of my young years were warm in my mind Visions of shadows that shine Till one day I returned And found they were the victims of the vines of changes Spinning madly, it drifts in the dark And swings through a hollow of haze A race around the stars A journey through the universe ablaze with changes Moments of magic will glow in the night Fears of the forest are gone And when the moment breaks 
They're swept away by golden drops of dawn Of changes Passions will part To a strange melody As fires will sometimes burn cold Like petals in the wind we're puppets to the silver strings of souls of changes Your tears will be trembling, not here somewhere else One more last cup of wine I'll kiss you one more time And leave you on the rolling river shore of changes Sit by my side Come as close as the air Share in a memory of grace And wander in my words and Dream about the pictures that I play Of changes on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns if you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.